0: This is Ian Hartley. And I'm Warren Kay. Welcome to
1: the Rediscovering God podcast. We invite you to join us as we endeavor to see him more clearly, love him more dearly, and follow him more nearly. So today we're talking about the cleansing of the
0: temple. You good with that, Warren?
1: I am. I think it's really important to talk about this story because as we've created a picture of Jesus with his teaching uh, with his uh, just his demeanor, um, that he uh, then cleanses the temple, and the traditional view is that he uses violence to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. This is uh, there are two other incidents that sort of uh, support the idea that Jesus sometimes used violence to get his own way, uh, or if you want to be uh, kinder, um, to. Uh, do kingdom business. Yes. <laughs> um, and that is the cursing, the so-called cursing of the fig tree. Right. And the third one is when he denounces the religious leaders and calls them whitened sepulchers and snakes and various other rude um, descriptions of them. Uh, so that was verbal violence. So we're going to look at this one. We'll look at the other two uh at another in another podcast. So the scriptural uh, passage uh, that we mustn't forget while we're looking at these incidents is what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, which is really the plenary presentation that he makes on what the kingdom of heaven is like. Mm-hmm. And in Matthew 5, verse 39, he says, do not resist an evil person. Right. So if Jesus uses violence on the evil traders in the temple, he's not walking his talk. Yes. Um, This is a glaring inconsistency in Mm -hmm. his theory and practice. Mm -hmm. So let's have a look at it. Okay. Um, Matthew, we'll start with Matthew, first gospel. Matthew 21, verse 12.
1: Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them.
0: Okay, just stop there. Um, so the the traders uh, are leaving in a hurry. It's clear from this passage. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the blind and the lame are coming to him, and he's healing them. Yes. So that part of the story is often not told.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's just that well, Jesus, you know, acted violently and chased out these traders. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: so, um, uh, verse fifteen.
1: But when the chief priests and teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area, "Hosanna to the Son of David," they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany where he spent the night.
0: So um, the question here, um, why are they so indignant at the end of verse 15? They're indignant because... uh, Jesus is healing the blind and the lame. Mm. And why does this make them indignant? Because they realize that compared to him they're pathetic. Mm-hmm. What they have to offer the people and Jesus is offering the people the redemption that he came to bring. He's giving them sight and he's giving them mobility and the crowd witnesses this and so they just <laughs> they just can't stop admiring Jesus.
1: Well, because they had, the leaders, had excluded these people because they felt they were perhaps cursed of God and could not be included. And Jesus now is including those that they had excluded.
0: Right on. Um, So, and then, why do you think the children are shouting Hosanna to the son of David?
1: They're just thrilled with what they see happening. Yeah.
0: So this, this is in complete contrast to verse 13, where he's chasing out the traders. Yes. it's totally eclipsed by what's happening in verse 14. So Jesus goes to Bethany for the night, and then he comes back the next day. So we pick it up in verse 23.
1: Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? They asked him. And who gave you this authority?
0: Yes, yeah, so the, the authority um, that they're questioning accomplished removing the traders, uh, healing the blind and the lame, and inspiring the children with praise. Mm-hmm. Uh, authority is a big issue in the book of Matthew. I'll give you a few instances where it comes into question. In Matthew chapter 9, there's a real issue over Jesus' authority. If you'd like to read verse 1 to 8.
1: Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, That's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he turned to the paralyzed man and said to him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. Fear spread, swept through the crowd as they saw this happen. And they praised God for sending a man with such a great authority.
0: So the issue is clearly authority here. Yes. And he's accused of blasphemy Mm
1: -hmm.
0: because only God can forgive sin. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's a huge issue here because if it's true that Jesus can forgive sin by just speaking a word, then the temple, with all its rituals and processes and sacrifices, becomes obsolete. Uh, John the Baptist had moved from uh, going to the temple for forgiveness to uh, getting forgiveness through baptism and repentance.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, So he's sort of the forerunner of Christ in that sense, but he's still uh, needing works from the people to be forgiven. Mm -hmm. Jesus does not need anything from a person to be forgiven. He forgives people unilaterally. Uh, in his sovereignty as Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. He he can just say to you, your sins are forgiven. And what he's actually doing is he's revealing what is true in God's heart.
1: Mm -hmm. That really everyone's sins are forgiven in God's heart.
0: Yeah. So some of the listeners are going to get stuck there, Warren, Mm -hmm. because this tradition of that you have to earn forgiveness is so strong Mm -hmm. in Christians and even the greatest evangelist that the earth has ever seen, in Billy Graham, he believed that you, there were things you had to do before you could be born again and right. become part of the kingdom of heaven. He, he didn't get this, the, um, the free, universal attitude of God towards people on this planet. Mm-hmm. So there's still an issue today. Right. I listen to public prayers. And people are praying in public. Usually every public prayer I listen to says, and forgive us all our sins. Mm -hmm. So that person who's praying does not get the forgiveness of Jesus that he passed on to us on this Mm -hmm. planet.
1: Mm -hmm. Paul seemed to get it. Yeah. Because in Corinthians, he tells us to be ambassadors, to go tell people to be reconciled to God because he's no longer holding your sins against you.
0: Yeah. Uh, And that's the gospel. Yeah. The gospel is the good news that you can say to every man and every woman, you know what? God has forgiven you all your sins, past, present, and future. He has no list of them. He has no interest in them. His interest is in healing you and getting you to think like the royal child you are of the king of the universe.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. But we need to move on. In uh, Matthew 16, verse 19, uh, we have... uh, It doesn't use the word authority, but it's clearly talking about the authority to forgive sin that we're talking about. Matthew 16, 19.
1: And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven.
0: So on the basis of this verse, which is... uh, when Jesus asks his disciples, uh, who, do you, what, who do men say that the Son of Man is? Um, they go through all these options. And then he says, uh, and what do you say? Who am I? And hmm. Peter says, you are the Christ. That means you, the King, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, Peter, that is the foundation of the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. the kingdom of god on earth that understanding that jesus is the christ the messiah the king and the one who can in his sovereignty forgive sin and redeem men and women from their guilt and shame so this this ends up in matthew 28:18 jesus is speaking to his disciples just before he goes back to heaven, and he says,
1: I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth.
0: So the issue of authority was not about whether Jesus could calm the waters on Galilee, heal the leper, uh, make bread, cast out demons. Nobody questioned that authority. Yeah. Okay, so except in this temple area that's included in driving out the traitors. But the issue is, when Jesus says, I have been given all authority, he's talking about his authority to forgive sin. Mm -hmm. That's what was at issue here. Right. So um, uh, that's why this authority issue uh, is so clear in the Gospel of Matthew. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, Warren. um, You know, some decades ago, I discovered that My sins were all forgiven. Mm -hmm. Now I'm consciously aware of some of them, and I thank God for forgiveness, and I make restitution where it's necessary and uh, reconciliation as I can uh, out of gratitude for what God has done for me, but not in order to get salvation or forgiveness.
1: It's such a huge paradigm shift. It is. to. From, to go from what we've been taught all along that we have to confess our sins and make sure they're all you know, confessed before we can be forgiven to realize he has forgiven the whole world and of all sin and he's not holding that against us.
0: So Protestants are often very uh, derogatory about uh, our Catholic friends in terms of confession and penance and so on. And yet, Protestants took the same idea and said that uh, until you confess and repent Mm -hmm. and reform, you can have no assurance of the forgiveness of sin. So, we never escaped uh, the teaching of the medieval church. Mm -hmm. It's time. So, uh, Mark 11 adds uh, something that uh, is not in the Matthew Gospel. It's in verse 16. Mark eleven sixteen.
1: And would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts.
0: Uh-huh. So, it was being used as a thoroughfare. It was easier to get from uh, North Jerusalem to South Jerusalem by going through the temple courts. And right. They were just doing that. Mm. So... Um, And then in verse 18 of Mark 11, it says this.
1: The chief priests and teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. Do you get it? They actually start
0: looking for a way to kill Jesus. Yes. These are the religious leaders of the nation.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Because he, in doing this, had disrupted their whole system, their whole position of power, and um, so they realized that as more people followed him, less would follow them, Mm -hmm. and so they were going to do away with him.
0: It's chilling to think that, because you're a religious leader, I'm a religious leader, that such thoughts could exist in our hearts. Mm You know, I just uh, became aware about the uh, scandal that's broken over Ravi Zacharias and uh, his uh, behavior with women. And uh, Ravi Zacharias, as far as I can tell, is one of the best apologists for Christianity that the Christian church has seen for many a year. Yes. And now to find out that he had feet of clay... uh, and uh, it, it's really a, an indication to me that uh, you you can be so pious in your pronouncements and your public behavior and yet harbor wickedness in your heart, mm-hmm. murder, adultery, whatever it is. It's a cause for humility. So... Um, there are two cleansings that seem to be indicated. Um, there's the, the three gospel writers, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, they put the cleansing right at the end of Jesus' ministry, just before his crucifixion. Uh, but John puts it in, in chapter 2 of John. And uh, so... Some people think that there were two cleansings, one at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and others think that, well, maybe John just adjusted the chronology to suit what he was doing. I don't think it makes any difference in principle. The truth is that Jesus did cleanse the temple. He cleansed the court of the Gentiles uh, once or twice. Uh, But let's talk about why did the traders actually leave? Were they physically afraid of the violent carpenter from Nazareth? Um,
1: Well, it doesn't seem so when you realize that the lame and and the sick were there, the children didn't leave. If Mm -hmm. he had been violent, they all would have left.
0: That's right. And there's uh, another point, and that is that the temple police were there. And they were there specifically to control the crowds, And any crazy people that came in there. Mm -hmm. And they were never called. Mm -hmm. There's no record of the temple police being called.
1: Yeah. And then um, in John, it points out that he made a whip. Uh, It says he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple court, both the sheep and the cattle. So the sheep and the cattle didn't harbor any guilt in their hearts that his authority would have Motivated them to leave.
0: <laughs> That's a very good point. Um, they're not moral beings.
1: Yeah. So, so they
0: they needed a sign.
1: So they need something to motivate them to move on out.
0: There's a difference between a sign and a weapon. Um, when I see a car with pretty lights on it, it's a sign to me that I should usually slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a weapon. Mm -hmm. I don't imagine the car with the pretty lights ramming my car. I suppose it can happen, but it's a sign to me. Mm -hmm. You know, when necking teenagers in the dark, when the light comes on, they quickly disentangle. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a sign to them, you know. Nobody's going to kill them. Well, maybe some doting (laughs) father might want to kill his dating daughter. (laughs) (laughs) But... uh, so the differences between signs and weapons and this whip of cords mm-hmm. was assigned to the animals
2: mm-hmm.
1: to move on. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, a whip can make a noise. It can crack yeah. and, and to get their attention that they need to move on out. He doesn't need to beat yeah. on them to get them to go.
0: Yeah, so um, the traders left because uh, they knew they were doing wrong. Uh, they were guilty. Yes. Um, there's. Um, they left because of his moral authority. Do you have you ever been in somebody with presence who had great moral authority? Hmm. I know you have because you've told me.
1: I I've forgotten.
0: Yeah. You you Tell- like to be in the presence of Maury Wenden.
1: Okay, yes, Uh, yeah.
0: Because he had moral authority for you. Yeah, Yeah. very much so. Um, People who were in the presence of Mother Teresa, Mm. they felt that this woman had moral authority and they wanted to be in her presence and they wanted to be able to ask her some questions, Mm -hmm. um, you know, about why she did things and so on. So some people just have that kind of moral authority. If somebody wins the Nobel Peace Prize or the Academy Awards, Uh, they gain moral authority over it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Jesus had this moral authority about him, and uh, this was uh, really the bane of the religious leader's life because they didn't have that moral authority. We've talked about this, but if Jesus had portrayed himself as an angry, violent man uh, at this temple cleansing, the lame and the blind and the children would not have come in there Uh, They wouldn't have felt the freedom and the temple police would have come in. Instead, well, the traders would have insisted that they come in and stop this person Mm -hmm. who was um, anti-trading in the Gentile court. So this cleansing is also prophetic. How so? Um, So um, if you read Malachi 3, verse 1 to 3, Uh, Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. There's a period of 400 years where we have no record in scriptures of what happened from Malachi to when Matthew writes. Do you want to read Malachi 3, 1 to 3?
1: Look, I am sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant... "'whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming,' "'says the Lord of heaven's armies. "'But who will be able to endure it when he comes? "'Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? "'For he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal, "'or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. "'He will sit like a refiner of silver, "'burning away the dross. "'He will purify the Levites, "'refining them like gold and silver.' So they may be once again offer. So they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord.
0: So this is clearly foresees a time uh, when this messianic figure uh, would purify, mm. um, not the temple includes the temple, but the actual hearts of the Levites, mm-hmm. those who served in the temple. Here was their opportunity to have their hearts. Uh, uh, cleanse. Now, temple also refers to human beings, uh, specifically their body. For instance, Jesus says, destroy this temple and, in, and I will raise it again in three days in John 2 verse 19. So people misunderstood that because they wanted to and they applied it to the uh, literal temple, mm-hmm. the rebuilt temple, the second temple, but Jesus was actually referring to his body, and the New Testament writers tell us that mm-hmm. in retrospect. And Paul will catch the parallel and wall. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 6.19? Mm-hmm. So the, the real cleansing that Jesus was after was the cleansing of the soul temple, uh, the body from this uh, wickedness of desiring to kill the Lord of glory and all the other wickedness that find so easy access. And then, of course, uh, it comes to the new covenant promise of replacing the cold stone heart with a warm flesh heart, prophesied in Jeremiah 31 and repeated in Hebrews chapter 8. Um so, you know, often when this story is read, assumptions are made that are unwarranted considering the rest of Jesus' life. The use of violence in our everyday lives is so common that we can hardly imagine life without violence. True. Uh, uh, you know, I really had a reality check uh, a year or two ago when we had uh, someone uh, break and enter our house. Mm. And. Uh, uh, I called the police. So I didn't walk my talk.
1: Mm. You were in the house when it happened. Yes. Yeah. So the natural uh, response is to defend yourself against someone that has broken in.
0: Yeah. And I knew the police would use violence. hmm mm-hmm. And I wasn't prepared to use violence, and I'm not sure why not. Maybe I was just too chicken. Mm.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so... Um... This is to my own uh, shame that I have to admit this. Mm-hmm. But w- the point I'm trying to make is that the use of violence is so common in everyday life. Our final resort is usually to the police. Yeah. And they use violence mm-hmm. um, to get their way. Um, so I just want to read you Matthew five thirty-nine. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him, the other, also. I have to admit, Warren, that you know I read that, and it's a theoretical statement, but I can't actually wrap my practical life around that.
1: Mm-hmm. The early church understood it. They did. And, and they, they let evil men take their lives. They became martyrs. And that was a, 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 an important aspect of that early church that is gone in today's society.
0: I give you a new commandment, that you love each other as I have loved you. Mm-hmm. And what Jesus is talking about is he was willing to lay down his life for us. <clears throat> I love you when I am prepared to lay down my life for you. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me to do it, Warren.
1: Well, you know, but Jesus did that. I know. He demonstrated that, and the people that followed him demonstrated that as well.
0: So let's document some of his opposition to the use of violence in practical terms. On the night of his arrest, Peter slashed at the high priest's servant with his sword and only managed to cut off his ear. Yeah. He had much more serious intention. Uh-huh. He was just a fisherman and not a soldier. Apparently. Yeah. So Jesus quickly healed the man's ear and told his disciples to put away their swords. He was intent on revealing the kingdom of heaven, not reinforcing their petty preoccupation with an eye for an eye. Uh, and and uh, what's the rest of it? An eye for an eye and... Uh,
1: Is it a tooth for a tooth? Yeah, something like that. Something like that.
0: Yeah. Um, So we never uh, just repeat it. um, When there are only three incidents that you can sort of um, console yourself that Jesus used violence. It's the cleansing of the temple, the so-called cursing of the fig tree, and the denunciation of the religious Leaders with verbal violence. So here's the arrest of Jesus, Matthew 26, 47. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, arrived. Uh, with him a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. So, you know, this is very interesting to me. He couldn't say it's the tall guy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He couldn't say it's the strong man. He couldn't say it's the fat man. He couldn't say it's the short man.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Jesus just blends in with the crowd. You, mm-hmm. you have to have another sign. Um, going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Friend, do what you came for. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scripture be fulfilled, which says it must happen? this way so if ever Jesus would have been tempted to use what would be would have been at this point right in his life
1: yeah
0: instead he he submits Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: now there are those who argue that uh, Jesus submitted because he had to in order to die and that's true but it's also true that this was his way of life Mm -hmm. and that this was just natural and he will say that to Pilate Um, a little bit later Um, yes so um, like you mentioned the early Christians soaked up um, the violence of the society they were living in uh, in the circus on the stake uh, and crucifixion in the galleys Um, when Jesus says take up your cross and follow me There's only one purpose for a cross. Uh, A cross causes suffering, yes, but it's to cause death. You don't put a person on a cross uh, just to make them suffer a little bit and then take them down. When you put them on the cross, that's it. It's a one-way trip. Uh, One-way trip. So when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, he's actually saying to us, listen... um, Love like I did. Mm-hmm. Could cost you your life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But follow me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I find this scary. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, it, it is. And as I've, um, I think we've referred before, that there are a few people that caught this. Jesus did, and he died at other people's hands. Gandhi did and he died at other people's hands, and same with Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, um, there's one passage that uh, is often used as a um, an excuse for violence, and that's in Luke 22 from verse 33. If you would read that, please.
1: And he, referring to Peter, replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Then Jesus asked them, When I sent you without purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. And he said to them, But if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag, and if you don't, have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written. And he remembered the transcript, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. The disciples said, see, Lord, there are two swords. That is enough, he replied. So So he's telling them to go and buy a sword. Yeah. And yet he's nonviolent, help me understand.
0: (laughs) First of all, it did not mean to literally buy a sword. Because when he says uh, two swords is enough, two swords among 12 men is not enough. Yeah. You need 12 swords Mm -hmm. if they're going to defend themselves and each other. Uh, We can also be sure that this isn't literal because he says to Peter just a few months uh, uh, before he's arrested, um, put away your sword. If you use the sword, you die by the sword. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, you get into this cycle of violence. So he's not talking about literally buying a sword. Um, uh, what he's talking about is that before I provided for you, uh, everything you needed. But now in this crisis, you're going to have to look out for yourselves. Hmm. Um, because he says to them, Did you you didn't take anything with you. Well, now you better take some food and some mm. clothing uh, and a sword if you don't have one. What he's saying is, you're going to have to look out for yourself now. Hmm. We're, we're in crisis here. Mm-hmm. Um, they were to be violently rejected by men. They would have to take a purse and a bag and would need to anticipate this new attitude. It, it was not to come as a surprise to them. When they, that they understood what Jesus was saying is evident in their non-violent responses after Pentecost. Furthermore, it's clear that only two swords for 12 men was a completely inadequate means of protection or escape. When Jesus says that's enough, he means that two swords are two swords too many. So when Jesus is before Pilate, he states the way his kingdom works, uh, the way the kingdom of heaven works. He says this in John eighteen thirty-six.
1: My kingdom, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place.
0: So that's pretty categorical. Mm-hmm. You know, he's talking to a political leader who has uh, men... Uh, soldiers at his command And he, he says to him My my, uh, my uh, People don't fight mm-hmm. They belong to a different kingdom So Jesus never used violence Under any circumstances And he attributes the origin And the continuance of violence To the devil He says this The thief or the devil Comes to Steal Kill and destroy. But. But always means it's the
2: opposite.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, somebody comes to you and says, Warren, you're really doing a good job, but forget about any commendation they gave (laughs) you. Now comes the real stuff. Mm -hmm. So Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but negate all that. Mm-hmm. I have come to bring life, abundant life. Stealing, killing, destroying is the very opposite of what the Messiah came to do. He came to give abundant life to create happiness and joy for people. So uh, Matthew uh, says this, he's quoting from Isaiah. If you want to read that, Matthew 12:19.
1: He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public.
0: No, I think you better read that again.
1: He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public.
0: I mean, like, I don't know. Did you get that?
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That was Jesus's way of living. He didn't resist. He didn't, you know, cause a stir by violence.
0: He didn't raise his voice. He didn't shout. I never saw that verse Hmm. for three-quarters of my life, Mm -hmm. didn't register with me. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have two witnesses. Matthew is quoting Isaiah. So you have the Isaiah witness, you have the Matthew witness of the nonviolent way that Jesus uh, lived his life. So Isaiah also says something in Isaiah 53, verse 7.
1: He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth.
0: So Peter, uh, impetuous, violent Peter, uh, also has an opinion about Jesus in 1 Peter 2.22.
1: He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly.
0: So I, I really, um, you know, when Peter talks like this, I'm impressed, because he wasn't naturally like
2: this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So I I once did a search on uh, gentleness, and what first uh, in the in the Bible what first caught my attention was why do we call uh, men gentlemen? Mm. You know, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. may I have your attention? Why, why, where does this appellation of gentle men come from? I don't know. Yeah. It, it seems to be a carryover from the gentleness that we expect of Christian men. Mm. Um, just somehow I got into English uh, culture. So. I found 30 uh, passages that refer to the gentleness of God and the gentleness of Jesus. Now, I know there are contradictory passages in the Old Testament uh, about the gentleness of God, but we've dealt with that uh, a few times Mm -hmm. by noticing that the writers of the Old Testament attributed all supernatural events to God. They believed that God made both good and evil. It was only when Jesus came. That he uh, taught us that God is only good; mm-hmm. He He never brings evil on people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for instance, uh, read 1 Kings 19:12.
1: After the earthquake and fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, a sound of gentle blowing.
0: Yeah, the gentle blowing, you know, still small voice, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and God's presence was in there. This is Elijah running away from Jezebel after Mount Carmel, where he had used extreme violence mm-hmm. to kill the priests of Baal. Mm-hmm. So um, Proverbs 15, 1, a gentle answer turns away Ross. Uh, maybe you'll read just the first part of Isaiah 30, verse 18.
1: Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you, for the Lord is a God of justice.
2: Mm,
0: please read on.
1: How blessed are all those who long for him. O oh, people in Zion, inhabit in, Jeru- in Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so there are lots of Old Testament passages as I said uh, I found 30 of them I just want to go to uh, some at the end here because we don't have time um, to go through all these passages so how about John 8 verse 3 to 11 very famous story of the woman caught in adultery
1: The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What then do you say?
0: So we know the end of that story. Jesus bends down, writes in the sand. They all disappear. Authority again of his moral purity and their impurity. Um, so, and then he says to her, where are your accusers? No, they've gone. And neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Mm -hmm. So a very gentle way of responding Mm -hmm. to uh, an incident that threatened violence Mm -hmm. in every which way. Mm Um, Romans 2 verse 4.
1: Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance?
0: Yeah, it's the kindness of God. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So isn't it interesting that uh, the fruit of the Spirit doesn't include Violent passion
2: mm-hmm.
0: against evil. Mm-hmm. It's just missing there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Ephesians 4:32.
1: Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Mm.
0: Just as God in Christ has forgiven you. James 3, 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. You want to read 1 Peter 3?
1: But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you yet with gentleness and reverence and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. Thank you. So it's like that's the way you oppose them is with gentleness and kindness. Yeah. That theme just runs right through the whole whole scripture.
0: Yeah, it's right there. Once you become aware of it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I learned a prayer when I was young. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon a little child. Um, It's right. Mm -hmm. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Not because he doesn't have the power, not because he's fearful, not because he's weak, but because... um, He has such security in himself that he can afford to be gentle. Yeah. You know, we always resort to anger and violence when we feel threatened. So, what shall we do with the cleansing of the temple? It was cleansed by his moral authority, and the same moral authority uh, that can forgive sin uh, unilaterally. Uh, not because of anything we've done, change of attitude, restitution, but simply because that is what God is like. He's a forgiving, gentle God, and he wants all to come to repentance and none to perish. And with everyone that perishes, his heart is pained, and uh, how I covet that kind of heart for myself and about you.
1: You know it, it's just amazing to me how clear this story is once you take a careful look at it and realize that it was not his violence that caused them to leave, it was his moral authority mm-hmm. and And so the the initial picture that we have of the story gets totally changed when we look at it take a closer look.
0: So this understanding of the nature of Jesus and the nature of human beings uh, finds its climax in Revelation chapter 6, reading from verse 15. Mm -hmm. If you'll read that, please. Revelation chapter 6, verse 15, because this is at the end of all things, uh, and this gentle lamb is coming uh, on the clouds, uh, and you have the people on earth. This is their response. Revelation 6 from verse 15.
1: Then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, every slave and free person, all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to survive?
0: So isn't that ironic? Yes. These people are afraid of a lamb. Yes. Um, yeah. There's something morally very twisted and mm-hmm. bitter inside of them. And mm-hmm. it's, it's really a, a cry for mass suicide.
1: Because mm-hmm. they had not gotten the message, they hadn't believed the message that their sins had been forgiven. Yeah. And they could stand in his presence and welcome his coming.
0: So that's the tragedy of the second coming,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so many Christians, in all sincerity, have postulated that when Jesus comes, he kills the opposition,
2: mm.
0: which you cannot substantiate from the way Jesus treated people.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I remind uh, you and our listeners that Jesus is the only eyewitness of what God is like.
2: Yeah,
0: his uh, witness trumps all other witnesses. Mm-hmm. Because no one else has ever seen God, yeah. according to 1 John, verse 18. So I, I'm impressed to pray to end our podcast, Warren. Please do. Uh, dear God, I'm happy to be in your presence with Warren and anyone who's listening at this moment. In your presence, we remember that you made us to love us and to serve us. And when we rebelled against you, you come and saved us through loving us and serving us, and that you will come again to love us and serve us physically. And we pray for that day, especially on behalf of the the frustrated, the desperate, the hungry uh, people of earth this very day, for we have no human solution for the situation. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, in your own sweet, gentle way, Amen.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to contact us, you can at Rediscovering God on Facebook or Instagram, or send us an email to rediscoveringgod20 at gmail.com. We are encouraged to hear how this picture of God is making a difference for you. And if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple, you can leave a review or rate the podcast so that others will become more aware of a God that is love as revealed by Jesus Christ. Thank you.